Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Dr. Mazen Kamen. He is the founder of the Kamen Brain Tumor Foundation. And uh, we, we have a conversation about uh, science and about, uh, about scratching the tip of the iceberg, but really why we end up into that conversation. He's a, doc, he's a cardiologist, by the way, and it's kind of interesting because he tells us why cardiology is kind of easy. Um, uh, as a doctor, that's that's easy science. That's you know, it's easy to fix somebody's heart. It's a little a little more challenging when we're talking about something like brain cancer. And, and Doctor Kamen tragically lost his 19 month old son to brain cancer many years ago. And so he has now dedicated his life to to obviously to cardiology and to to uh, to to health as a sort of an overarching kind of umbrella. But he's really specifically focused on improving treatment and survival of children with a very specific uh, kind of brain tumor. And it's the kind of thing that comes out of these, it seems to me, these moments uh, in our lives that, uh, that uh, these, these historic moments in our lives that create, create opportunities for us to, to do things that we wouldn't have probably done before. And so we talk about, obviously, we talk about the disease, uh, we talk about uh, his history and so on and his experience of that. But really what we get into is the, well, in my opinion anyway, is, uh, is, the, is the hopeful side of this. And we talk about some of the, I'm going to use the word crazy, I hope that's okay, uh, uh, Dr. Kamen, but but yeah, really uh, groundbreaking and remarkable science that's going on, and the, the 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 gift of this applied science that's happening in the laboratory and in the hospital. So stay tuned uh, for a very hopeful conversation with Dr. Kamen coming right up, and don't forget that uh, DavidPeckLive.com. You can find more information out there about my writing and my public speaking. You can get a copy of Real Changes Incremental there, and also face-to-face-live.ca. We are coming up on 500 interviews. I would really appreciate it if you signed up for our newsletter, if you forwarded it to someone else. 
Uh, you can also support the work we do through Patreon, uh, patreon.com uh, monthly. And that would be really appreciated. And if you can't do that, and I totally get if if you can't, you uh, you could always leave us a review, and we would really appreciate that on iTunes. Uh, the more digital uh, noise out there, uh, positive noise that is about the podcast and so on, the better uh, off we're going to be. So please do that if you can. And then if you'd like to advertise with face to face, we have newsletters. We have a really big reach, uh, significant digital reach into uh, the global community, about 20 countries. We've got uh, newsletters, uh, banners, uh, website advertising, shout outs during, uh, reach out to us if you're interested. And uh, also, don't forget, Face to Face also appears on rabble.ca. That is a platform where uh, you can find a whole host of other podcasters and bloggers and and thinkers and journalists uh, talking about, as they say, news uh, for the rest of us. News that matters uh, in truth. So so check that out there and uh, don't touch the dial. Coming uh, right up, an interview with the uh, founder of the Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation, Dr. Mazen Cayman. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today. We have Dr. Mazen Cayman here with us. Uh, he is the president of the Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation. We are going to talk about some pretty scientific things, I would imagine, but also some uh, some things really rooted in 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 just the everyday business of 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 of, of being a mom and being a dad and 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 being a I hope a better human being. So, uh, Dr. Cayman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I'm, I'm 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 we're on a first name basis now, aren't we, Mason? Is yes, that we is are. that okay? Yeah, okay, excellent, Perfect. excellent. So we got that that whole doctor thing out of the way. That's perfect. So so why don't why don't you just tell us a little bit about the history of the foundation and and you know we were just just before we hit the record button, which is always kind of interesting. Sometimes you know it's funny when I when I do these interviews and I've done I'm coming up on 500 of these, believe it or not, published interviews. There's you know I feel. I feel like I should have hit the record button a lot sooner, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you sort of sometimes you miss some of those gems along the way. Anyway, give us give us a little bit of history, if you will, about 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 you and 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 your research and the work that you do and and, and the foundation itself. So uh, the foundation, the Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation, was established, David, about uh, four years ago, after the unfortunate death of my son Lance at age 19 from a brain tumor. Uh, He was diagnosed at age 13, and he was a very healthy young man, uh, no problem, you know, uh, loves life, uh, has aspirations and dreams like any other, any one of us. And all of a sudden started having headaches and to make a long story short, uh, came up with a diagnosis of a brain tumor. Uh, We went through a long and a tedious uh, trip of six years that included multiple craniotomies and chemotherapy, uh, radiation, uh, immune therapy. And then he succumbed to his illness uh, six years later. Um, And then, you know, needless to say, the grieving process is is very hard and you go through phases. Uh, It shatters, you know, uh, emotions. It affects uh, your faith in God. And but uh, luckily uh, we came together and we decided that to make uh, something good out of this uh, pretty bad experience. And one thing we thought about after seeing a lot of patients, a lot of kids with this diagnosis and how it affected not only those children, but also those families that we can maybe help do something 
to, uh, to, to alleviate that. So we came with the idea of establishing a foundation that funds cutting-edge research uh, to uh, find better and safer treatment options for uh, pediatric brain cancer. Um, see, the problem, David, here is um, if you go 25, 30 years ago, the average survival of a patient with a brain tumor was 15 months. Well, remarkably and unfortunately, this has not changed. And we're mm. talking 30 years ago. So obviously, the, the therapy, despite new drugs, no chemotherapy, new modalities of radiation, has not worked. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you, uh, we all know about Senator McCain and, and, and Senator Kennedy and, and uh, a lot of people who have been diagnosed and, and Bo Biden, you know, with brain tumors and they succumb to that illness. It's, it's really almost a death sentence. Uh, and, and, and we collected uh, an advisory uh, board, uh, medical council board, that from top-notch researchers across the country that uh, we focused and we tried to focus on to think a little bit outside the box and what are we doing wrong or what can we do different that right. maybe makes a difference uh, in that and in, in to change the needle a little bit here in terms of survival. Uh, so we have been looking all throughout uh, this country about uh, new modalities of research. And we uh, fund uh, three primary research programs uh, in New York uh, and one in Boston at Dana-Farber uh, that we think have a lot of promise and potential to make a real difference. So is this, is, was this something you were uh, entirely thrown into, Mason, as a result of your son's death? Yeah, um, I'm a cardiologist and- by trade. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know any, I didn't, I did not know anything about brain tumors. Right. Uh, unfortunately, I know a lot about it now. Uh, but that's okay. You know, if we can make a difference in, in the life of a child, uh, I think uh, the world will be a much better place. So that's, yes, I was thrown into this. And, and do you think, I mean, is that, is that how in some cases, sadly, I think, as you already sort of pointed out, um, how research is driven forward? I mean, to some degree, science is, I suppose, rooted in level of interest, um, you know, this idea of curiosity and wonder, you know, yeah. got to find, got to find out how the universe works. So boy, I better get some research money to help me do that. Um, you know, PhDs and so on. We could talk about that type of academic work moving forward. But in this case, it's almost, a, you know, it certainly wasn't intentional on your part. And yet imagine the, as you said, in 25 to 30 years, things just haven't changed. Here you are now on the edge of helping to move that needle, but not by design. Right. I mean, is that kind of how the world of science works to some degree? Yeah, really. Sadly, sadly, it is. And it takes sometimes a a very deep personal experience. Mm. Uh, I don't want to say to wake up the conscious, but to really shake somebody so hard to infuriate them to make they want to make something to want to do something. Uh, But isn't it? usually the case with most foundations i think it is 
you know, most of them have some personal experience that they've been through and they try to, to create something out of it. That's something that's good. Yeah, it's got to be the hope. And listen, I am so sorry about your son. And I, I'm a, I'm a dad. I've got a daughter of 11 and a son of 14. And, and one day they'll probably listen to some of my podcasts and, and be annoyed that I talked about them so much. But, <laughs> but, but it's got to be so difficult. And yet, on some levels, I would think also quite rewarding that you're, in a sense, you know, able to roll your sleeves up like this and step into it. Tell, tell me a little bit more about how it practically plays out. So you're raising funds, um, you're, well, you're getting behind certain, I would imagine, certain doctors, uh, certain laboratories, certain hospitals, that yes, kind of a thing? Yes, we, we are um, very uh, committed to raise substantial funding uh, for uh, those uh, research programs. Now, I will, uh, if I may, I will tell you about a few of them that we are doing, we are Mm -hmm. helping to fund. And one of them is really a very innovative and a pioneering uh, research program that's being conducted at uh, uh, Cornell Medical Center, Wild Cornell Medical Center in New York City by Dr. Howard Fine. And um, Dr. Fine uh, was at the uh, Dana-Farber Institute in Boston and then moved to National Institute of Health before moving to New York University Medical Center and thereafter to Cornell, where he uh, is directing uh, the Brain Cancer Center. And what he is doing, and he's a remarkable fellow in the sense that he recognizes that the traditional chemotherapy uh, slash radiation therapy to brain to, to treat brain cancer is not working. So what he's doing, he's uh, embarked on a pioneering research that's called Organoids. And a short uh, you know, sentence, what it is, it's really growing the actual brain cell, uh, brain tumor cells from the actual patient. Uh, and harvesting them during surgery and growing them in the laboratory. So basically, we're growing tumors, brain tumors, in the laboratory as if they're growing in the patient themselves. And then attacking them or treating them with a lot of modalities of therapy and seeing which works, which doesn't. And if whatever, you know, when we find which is the one that works, then we'll go ahead and implement it on the patient rather than the trial and error approach that we've been doing in the past. And the trial and error approach that we've been doing is really uh, cause a lot of deaths, not only from the tumor itself, but from the toxicities of mm. those, from those drugs. So we're avoiding that right now by f- focusing only on what works and what not, what's not working. See, each brain tumor is very different. Each patient brain is very different. Mm. And they demand their different mutations, their different genes, and they demand different drugs. So without the uh, ability to identify which drug is more specific to each patient, there's no way that we can treat the tumors effectively. So Mason, so Mason, does that mean that so for each specific context, so each specific brain, you take Dr. Fine takes out cells, right. you treat them in the di- in the petri dish, as it were, correct, 
develop hopefully some kind of a treatment, and then that gets applied to this specific patient. Obviously, lessons would be learned that could be applied to others, I would imagine. But the idea going forward would be that organoids, right? Correct. Organoids would be created per patient. Is Correct. that correct? Wow. It's, you know, it's so funny. I love science like that. You explain it to me and I go, yeah, I mean, come on, what's so hard about that? I mean, that just, that just makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's really an amazing technology. And actually, Dr. Fine's laboratory just uh, acquired a uh, multi-million dollar robotic engineering system. One of a kind, David. Uh, there's really no, nothing like it in the whole world. This is the only place, Cornell, that has it. And basically what that robot does, it, it, it institutes multiple medications on hundreds of Petri dishes at the same time, mm. uh, expediting the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the results, meaning trying to find out uh, in a very uh, uh, efficient way which works or doesn't. Rather than having manual, uh, you know, uh, people doing it themselves and taking some, such a long time. So that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Amazing. Is this, is this primarily a, a, a pediatric disease? Is this children? Is this teenagers? Does this cross over into adults actually, as well? Actually, unfortunately, it, it affects brain cancer. Is, is, see, the thing is about brain cancer is rare. It's not that common as breast cancer, as prostate cancer, lung cancer. It's about overall in the United States, six per hundred thousand people, six cases per hundred thousand people, more so in males than females. But the unfortunate thing is like it's, it, it's about 30,000 kids are living with a brain tumor in the United States right mm. now. And 4,000 new cases are expected to be diagnosed, diagnosed this year. Now, adult brain cancer is, you know, brain cancer, we don't know the etiology of it, David, as you know, but we think that it has a lot to do partly maybe with the environment, maybe with genes, and maybe with spontaneous mutations. Uh, but yes, it crosses uh, the, the racial, the socioeconomic divide, and it affects both pediatrics and the adolescents and adults uh, in a very devastating manner. Is there a is there a policy like ask for your foundation, or are you primarily you know your 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 laboratory focus, your scientific focus, your research, as you said earlier, research focus? But I'm just wondering from a you know black tie affairs, cocktail parties, receptions, things happening over lunches, are, is there? A sense of having, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple uh, 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 politicians earlier too. Right. You know, right. suffering. For, is there a political ask here? Is there a, yeah, you know, I, an opportunity to change? I don't know legislation towards funding absolutely. for this type of research. I, I, I think that's is such an important thing you hit on, David. You see, brain cancer defeating brain cancer is a very daunting task. Hmm. It cannot be done by the public sector by itself or the private sector. Or I think government, I think you need the collaboration of right. all three sectors because it requires uh, manpower, it requires finance, and it requires dedication and commitment. And, and, and you, know, you know, we have been um, in contact with the uh, Biden uh, uh, Moonshot Project, as you know, Vice President Biden with his son, Bo Biden, that passed from brain cancer. Uh, and they're doing a wonderful job with that. Mm. And I think if we can collaborate a lot of people who are working on the same uh, 
on the same objective to work together, I think that would be wonderful. And yes, funding is so important. Because let's face it, that's really how good quality research uh, is done because you have to pay quality researchers and you have to get the quality technology to perform it. So you've been a, you've been a doctor a long time. I mean, you've seen you've seen. I, I would imagine most doctors could write you know pretty 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 fascinating autobiographies. You know, or have fascinating biographies written about them, the stories, operating table, the GPs, the yeah. emergency rooms, and so on. Yeah. Are are you? I mean, anything standing out to you? I mean, obviously, that the organoid organoid like yeah, research yeah, yeah. is pretty pretty sophisticated and fascinating. On one hand, sounds so simple and makes so much sense, and then obviously on another, it's it's quite groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just just wondering about that, and also just you know, your 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 the the, the public engagement attached to that. You know, are are, are people paying attention? They Do, are. Yeah. There, there's two. There's a couple of questions there, Mason, but yeah. but but would love to hear more about that. They are. Uh, I think the public is getting more aware about brain cancer, and uh, unfortunately and sadly, it's because a lot of people, and some of them are celebrities, and some of them are not, uh, are, no. are 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 dying from this disease, and because we, our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do other than offer them the traditional therapy that we've been using uh, for years and years, and it's not working. So there are a lot of frustration uh, that we need to do something. Another research that's going on, David, uh, by uh, also at New York Presbyterian Hospital, by Dr. Marcus Widan and his remarkable team. He's the chief of uh, pediatric neurosurgery at uh, Cornell, New York Presbyterian. And what he's doing is he is not taking some of these tumors out from the patient's brain, but he's injecting them directly with different medications and seeing the response with that. Why am I saying that? How is it different? Well, because if you inject that chemotherapy drug or whatever immune therapy drug in the vein, intravenously, like chemotherapy, the way it's given, well, it does not saturate to a maximum level in the tumor. Why? Because there's something called the blood-brain barrier. Uh, we have a blood-brain barrier that uh, God created, sort of, if you want to put it this way, to prevent any uh, passage of bacteria or viruses into our brains or central nervous system. So inadvertently, it, it, it uh, blocks the passage uh, in these, of these drugs to cross and maximize the sat- to saturate the tumor. So they don't work very well. But if you inject it directly, you make sure that 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 drug is being maximized and saturating the tumor bed. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I uh, my father my father had Parkinson's disease for many years, and and I had the opportunity to to, to interview Dr. Anthony Lang uh, uh-huh. a couple of years ago. He's at University of Toronto Hospital. Um, you know, obviously, how I mean, I think to be a neurologist, you kind of have to be brilliant. Period. Yes. You know, um, and and um, anyway, so here I am having this conversation with him and having a little bit of fun with him as well, just asking him, kind of, you know, you you started X amount of years ago, Doctor Lang, as a student, you fresh out of graduate school. Uh, you know, that was then. This is now. What What do you know about? 
you know, the brain today, (laughs) you know, and, and you know, what was really lovely and wonderful here we are talking about, and what made me think of it was when you started talking about injecting the cells. I mean, he was talking about some of this, uh, science and technology, uh, where, where they're going to actually vaccinate, they hope, you know, the Parkinson gene. Yes. that that you or I might carry and and I mean isn't that that that's just incredible that's and yet in the same in the same breath he said you know what I don't really know a whole lot more today than I did yeah. you know when I got out of school the, in other words the brain you know pretty complicated piece of uh, machinery I don't even think I can call it machinery <laughs> but any anyway what what can you tell me about that what does Dr. Fine have to say to you about the complexity of of you know the heart oh, what, it, what about the brain tell me about that well he you know <laughs> he is still learning let me put it this yes, way he yeah. really is still learning he I always bet. says that and and no matter how, you know you scratch the tip of the iceberg especially when it comes to central nervous system uh you know uh diseases uh, be it the spinal cord or the brain. And uh, there's so much um, interaction uh, that is involved between the, uh, the neurons and the, dend- the, 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 glioma, the glial cells and the neurosynapses and the neurotransmitters that it's extremely hard to experiment on like a heart, for example, or a, or a kidney or, 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 a, or a GI system. Um, but so far, I think they are making some strides, but they're, mm. but they're still learning. And, uh, this is an area where I think we need a lot of help, uh, especially funding wise and from the private sector and government, uh, because nobody can do it alone. Do you think, uh, do you think the heart's easy comparatively to, oh, to the brain? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, look at it. Look at it this way, David. I mean, just about what is it? Twenty-five years ago, anybody with a with a double coronary disease or triple, they bought themselves a ticket to the operating room with a bypass surgery. Well, how how frequent do you hear that now? Almost none. Mm. They all go into the cath lab and they do a angioplasty and a stent, and they're done. Uh, how many years ago, you know, years ago, aortic valve disease, a blocked valve needed also open heart surgery and a valve replacement. Not anymore. We do now valve replacements through the groin, through a little incision in the groin and a catheter, what we call transcutaneous aortic valve replacement. So yes, uh, it's more of a tangible uh, disease, uh, diseases, the heart diseases that we can really uh, see, first of all, uh, uh, tangible results right away, uh, and we know a lot about it. But the brain is a totally different ballgame. You know, it's it's fascinating to me that, that you know, I mean, you have a reason for, I suppose, a, a, a tragic reason, a family reason why you rolled your sleeves up and, and got involved. What, what do you what do you say when you get this opportunity like you have today, I guess, on face to face here? But when you get in front of a microphone to 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 tell that story or you're being interviewed for a piece in, a, in an article, CNBC, whatever it might be. Um, how do, how do you motivate folks to not only give but to say this is worth talking about? This is worth writing a letter to your senator about, et cetera. Well, you know, David. First of all, I think um, uh, tragedies uh, hits almost everybody in, in one mm. way or the other, uh, different degrees, different levels, uh, and you have options to make. Uh, you have choices to make. I one choice 
is to succumb to it and be depressed and be on antidepressants the rest of your life. Uh, and the other option is to get over the grieving process and get on with it and do something good. Make lemonade out of a lemon. Try to do something good and try to fight it this way. And that's the best way to fight it. That's the way I look at it. Um, you know, uh, as far as the uh, encouraging other people to do the same, I think there are so many people that either them in their own families or friends or this distant relatives who have been struck by one disease or the other. And especially cancer, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we still, we're still scratching really the tip of the iceberg in cancer. And because it's so diverse and it's so heterogeneous and we ought to dedicate more funding towards it. Uh, and I think we can. I think we can. You know, it's interesting. I just, as you say, you know, and I, I, I'm with you. I don't, uh, I don't disagree at all. And, and I do, some of my work is in public engagement and, you know, trying to get people to think about international development issues, for instance, social justice-like issues in a, in a new way, um, peel back those layers, get people asking questions that maybe they haven't asked before, and so on. And it's it's connected to to, to the work that you and and others are doing in the medical community, and certainly with diseases like cancer. Do you what what do you say to those? And maybe you don't get this, and I hope you don't. But do you sense? A level of indifference out there um, when it comes to uh, this kind of work, or maybe it's when it comes to funding this kind of work. You know, I think I read in one of the articles when I was looking at this. You know, Doctor Fine said something to the effect, "You know, the the, the science is there. We're ready to go. It's yeah. just we we need more support. We need we need more people to come alongside us, whether that's corporate partnerships, et cetera, et cetera." Um, but yeah, I guess I, I did. I wasn't going to use the word naysayer, but there you go. I just did. Are there naysayers out there yeah. that say, you know what? We've tossed an awful lot of money against cancer and we're not much farther ahead. What, what, what gives? There are, that? there are, yeah. and, and, and I'm fortunate, but there are. And uh, do I blame them? I don't know. Probably not. Because as you said, uh, they said, you know, we've tossed so much money and billions of dollars towards cancer. But I, I say that, Look what happened to prostate cancer. We tossed mm. a lot of money towards prostate cancer, and nobody should die from prostate cancer anymore nowadays. Nobody. Because we tossed a lot of money towards prostate cancer, right. uh, it, meaning if it was early detected and there's effective treatment for it. The same thing for HIV-AIDS. Look what happened. We tossed a lot of money towards HIV-AIDS. And look what happened now. Nobody should really die from HIV-AIDS. We have made a huge difference. But that took a lot of de de dedication a lot of commitment, and a lot of funding. The same thing for breast cancer. You know, these, these diseases were death sentences just about 25 mm. years ago. Not anymore. The same thing can be applied to brain cancer. Now, it may take time. It may not be in our generation, in, in, in our time that we see as that substantial uh, results, but it will happen if we stay committed and dedicated toward it. And that's the way I would address these issues with people who say, well, we threw a lot of money towards it and nothing's happening. Yeah, but look at other things that we threw a lot of money at, and, and it, it is happening. Well, and isn't, isn't that kind of what, you know, as as you were mentioning that, and I don't want to reduce the work that you've done or any scientist has done or any doctor or specialist, but in a way, you're reducing this massive, complicated, nuanced problem to a to 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 
to something hopefully that's relatively simple that we can ultimately uh, at the end of the day figure out it's a problem to be solved yep exactly it's it's this and and it's obviously with respect to brain cancer it's incredibly complicated and 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 as you mentioned contextual by the by the brain i guess right right by right. by the case. Yep. So so yeah, I just I just was struck by this idea of scientists as problem solvers. Period. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think we can do it, David. It takes. Uh, it's a tedious effort. It's a it's a long journey, but it needs commitment and dedication. And we can do it. There's nothing that the human brain cannot, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, can do if we put our mind to it. Well, I think it's, I mean, isn't that how you have to stay too when you're facing such a daunting task? Yeah. It seems to me you've, you've got sleeves are rolled up. Maybe you're not smiling, but, but, but you're, you're gritting your teeth and you're yeah. saying, you know, this smiling, hopefully most of the time, but gritting your teeth and, and this can be done. What about people like, what is it that you've learned from, from, from researchers that you've worked with now, you know, the Dr. Fines of the world who have, yeah. Who are taking something on that just does seem to be on a certain level insurmountable? That it, it, what I mean, you've you've talked to three a couple of times. I love this finance, dedication, commitment. That's great. I love that. Clearly, these are passionate, committed folk who are incredibly focused. Yes. Can can you can you talk a little bit more about that? I don't yeah, know I, that creative energy. That you know, do, do they do they do, 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 do they walk into a room and people notice it, or are they more sort of the reserve type? You know, no, I mean? actually, actually, it's it's amazing. A lot of them are reserved. A lot of these scientists are reserved. However, uh, when they start speaking, you can see the fire in their mm. You can sense it. These are dedicated people. Now, a lot of them, like, for example, Dr. Pardis, who spoke, he lost his sister to brain cancer. Uh, so he went through the whole experience. He knew what it is. Uh, sadly, people who have uh, experienced it themselves with family or relatives have, of course, more motivation than others to do something. Right. However, Makes sense. Yeah. But, but scientists who are very dedicated, uh, and there are a lot of them out there. Uh, they have that um, uh, stamina. It's amazing, and and that that uh, dedication to go on no matter what. And they will they're relentless. And I mm. I absolutely raise my hat to them. They're they're wonderful human beings. Yeah, relentless is uh, is probably a really good way to put put it. And I, I mean, I think that's a that's a, certainly a lesson for for all of us. It seems to me. And I love, as I said just a few minutes ago, this notion of dedication and commitment and yeah. and finance. And isn't that what most really? Isn't that what the, the the nonprofit sector really needs across the board when it comes to any issue, whether it's you know water and sanitation issues Absolutely. or you know um, extreme poverty in the in the most remote remote parts of of, of you know, northeastern Cambodia. You know, Absolutely. it's it's dedication, commitment, and finance. Well, listen, uh, you know, um, Mason, I, I we, we we've got to wrap it up in a couple minutes here. We're coming to an end, and I just I, I'm certainly going to direct people towards the the foundation's website. Um, any any recent wins for you guys? Can or challenges? Can you talk a little bit about that as yeah. as we as we wrap this up? And by the way, folks, it's the Cayman. It's not the, it's Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation.org, and that's Cayman spelled K A M 
E-N. And of course, as usual, my listeners know there'll be links to the websites on the webpage and on the face-to-face page and so on. But yeah, just wondered if there was anything, you know, any any pending challenges or, 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 or things you could celebrate with us here today. Well, we're celebrating that we have really made, are making major strides in mm. the, in the uh, finding a better and safer treatment options. Let's face it, finding a cure to brain cancer uh, uh, overnight is not a realistic, uh, right. you know, is not a realistic option. But we can step by step, we can find first better and safer treatment options. So can a brain patient with brain cancer can live a good quality of life and will make this disease a chronic illness like diabetes, like heart disease, mm. on medications. And then from that point on, we can work for a cure. And that's really what my, my objective is. Uh, one step at a time and we can do it. I ask uh, the real listeners to go to our website, to look into what we're doing and to try to, if they can help with whatever they can, that would be wonderful because they will be helping a lot of children uh, and their families. So from so is that is that almost the soundbite for the interview, uh, Mason? Uh, chronic chronic illness yes. to cure is that is that it? Correct. Yeah, that makes really great sense. I uh well I, I, I wish you well with it. It's it sounds like an incredible challenge. You you are rolling the rock up the hill without a doubt, and it sounds like you've got some great partners along the way. And uh again, folks, it's Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation dot org. Uh, check them check them out there. Thanks so much for your time today. We've Thank we've been you. talking to Dr. Mason Kamen, uh, who's the president of the Cayman Brain Tumor Foundation. And as I said, find out more about them online. We've been chatting with him here today. Thanks so much for your time today, Mason. I really do. Thank you, David. It. Thank you for having me. Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.